I mean, you have, you know, the, the part of yourself that goes to work and is a parent and is functioning in the world, and, and then you have something else, I think, that is much more intelligent than that, and it's bigger than that, and, and it can help you piece things together. That's John, drummer, dad, distresser of doors, and assembler of beats. Musically, he goes by Flameburger Jonesies. But if you want to dabble in real estate with the man behind the mix, look up John Chambers at RealtyAustin.com. John joined us to chat about parenting, inspiration, collaborating, his art process of choice, and your word of the day, palimpsest. Definitions and more coming right up. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our weekly chat. Hi, John. Hi, Jelly. Thank you for joining us on Chatty Crafties. Thank you for having me. Um, we met through my brother-in-law, Zach, when you guys worked together at Whole Foods, and we were just talking, so maybe 2005? That sounds about right. And so Matt and I usurped you and Maya as buddies and have been hanging ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you and Matt do a lot of music together, collaborating. Um, what are your creative endeavors? I guess music and art. Um, and I kind of fluctuate back and forth between which one I'm either feeling more connected to or drawn to or um, confident in. I think maybe if I had to pick one, it would be art. Uh, visual art, but but both. And you use this. You do art on like pieces of furniture. Like you strip doors and play with paint and color on those too. So it's not just like a canvas or a piece of wood on the wall. It's you know everyday objects that you are making more interesting. Yeah, um, I think it's just about yeah trying to be inspired in your space and sometimes it's just it's like an itch you know Mm -hmm. that you need to get outside of the the work world or your normal parenting brain or whatever it is and um and find something to throw a little twist on and sometimes that's a bathroom door yeah (laughs) and it was gorgeous you've done another one since then yeah, you have a couple in your house. We've, I th- yeah, and Bodie usually helps me. So I think we've done um, one, two, three, four, four together, okay. maybe five. Yeah. Doors. So you just look at a door and you're like, "F that door." Yeah, I'm gonna like strip that's it a, down. That's another white door. Yeah. With a 1960s door handle on it, so let's take it down and, you know, throw some layers on it and take a hammer to it and and in bringing Bodie into it is awesome too because he gets to kind of see that same you know kind of thing is that is he seven he's seven okay yeah Yeah. so he can kind of get a feel for hey it doesn't have to be um something conventionally artistic it can just be like let's add a little bit of color to this and make it different so you do a lot of art with him. Yeah, we do we do uh, some art together. I want I want to do more and I think that's a big part of why um 
even though I get caught up in just kind of the day-to-day stuff that I try to keep pushing back towards it because I want them when they're adults to not just have the memory of dad going to work and doing the normal things but yeah my dad was an artist and I remember painting back in the studio with him or I remember him you know bringing the sampler out into the living room late at night when we had the tv going he had headphones on or Mm -hmm. you know those little images I think are really important for kids to grow up with um because I think it helps them be more confident to do that and reach into those areas themselves when they're adults. But um, also just to know that their parents were connected to those kinds of things. Definitely. Did you grow up in a creative household? For sure. Yeah. Um, So my um, birth father was a musician and an artist. And then Ken, who it raised me since I was probably eight is also an artist and a musician and now is retired. And that's, I mean, he has his own art studio. He and does beautiful work. It's so awesome. I follow him on Facebook. Yeah. And just that he's, he's doing it. So yeah, yeah, that's funny. Actually, I hadn't connected that, that, um, I definitely saw my parents, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, you want to pass that that along. Those are the gems that you get. Do you like collaborating in general, or do you like doing things on your own and I, have alone time? I would say I'm pretty terrible at collaborating <laughs> in general. Um, that's something I need to get better at. I think I did that for so long. I, I was a musician in New York and in Santa Cruz and, you know, was in bands Um And I I think I just got kind of burnt on that process that, you know, you have five people's visions who are all trying to bring something together and that doesn't always line up. Um, And at that level, the level that I'm at or we were at, no one person is really, I don't think, talented enough to really drive the group and say, hey, I'm the leader of this and let me be the vision and you guys just help bring it. Mm -hmm. So you know, I end up kind of hovering in this zone of, well, I have things that I'm picturing, whether that's music or art. And so I'm just gonna, um, have a much easier time getting there on my own. Yeah. Um, so specifically music is kind of easier for you to do on your own right now. I think so. I mean, I would say Matt, if anybody is one person who's really easy to work with and at the same time, he's doing things that I am not able to do. He he can put something on the table that I wouldn't be able to, to even materialize at all. Um, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. But we of. don't really, I don't think we work on something together. It's kind of like pass it off. We'll pass it off. Yeah. Right. You know, and just say, he'll say, Hey, here's this little thing. And, and tweak a little bit because he envies your beat making. Right. And I envy the other side of it, which is, the textural and the in the lack of drums. Yeah. <laughs> I, Brian Eno's one of my favorite musicians in the world, all his ambient stuff, and none of that has any drums in it. Because drums are easily digestible. Most people can hear drums and say, oh, I can connect to this or relate to it. Right. Um, but not a lot of people can do that with um, just a, a texture. Well, That's I'm pretty... sure he will be very flattered to hear that. Matt told me you're very picky about drummers. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what do you hear when you hear drumming? And what makes you like go crazy when you hear it? I think simplicity and just kind of real subtle musicality. I'm not really into... I went through a phase when I was younger of really overly technical, you know, rhythms and chops and all that stuff. And these days it's the opposite. I want to hear something really simple um, and something that's just based in feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what most drummers get kind of wrong is... um, you know, they're imitating something funky or they're, huh. um, and to just play something that's simple, but make it subtly interesting enough that it it's different and it's not corny or cheesy or imitative. I mean, that is much harder to do than it is to have a lot of chops and, yeah. and just kind of show them off. Did you go to school for Yeah, that's music? what I have my degree in. Really? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. I probably had an idea, but so like in drumming specifically, or just kind of music. Theory. Well, my instrument was drums, but I had to do all my theory on. Um, I had to pick an instrument. I could do, you know, as a as a percussionist, I could do vibraphones, but I ended up doing keys, piano. Okay. So I did all my theory and all my practice, and then all my um, like we would have, um, you know, semester tests where we had to like transcribe transcribe a John Coltrane solo or something and then play it back on the piano. So as a drummer, my version of that was really um, pretty over, overly simplified. I wasn't playing any of the chordal stuff that goes along to support his solo, but I'd have to basically use my right hand and transcribe out his solo and, and play it back. So Wow. That sounds really hard. It was hard. To me, specifically. Um I have trouble counting in my head. I know it's very simple to count to eight, but <laughs> I I lose track of it with what I'm listening to. And so I'm constantly trying to remind myself like, oh, yeah, I can I can hear that, you know, you count to eight in this or five or whatever it is. Um, you count lots of things. And Amber does the same thing where she counts oh. syllables in her yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I've never heard anyone really? else. Oh, I want to do talk that. to her about that. I know. I wish she was here for y'all to chat about it, but I, I found that so fascinating that both yeah. of y'all do it. Huh. Do you do it all the time? I don't do it as much now, but. Um, Am I going to trigger you by no, talking about it? No, not at all. I, I mean, here's the thing I feel like it's kind of like a parlor trick. I, I like showing it off because. It, <laughs> But um, it freaks some people out. But it's just something I, I've done since I was probably in late uh, elementary school. Huh. And um, I think that that's probably what drove me towards, um, you know, rhythm and, and music was you're, you're essentially you're dividing spaces of time yeah. into certain increments and... Um, I mean, with with my whole numeric thing with the with the counting syllables, it's more like breaking words. But with drumming, you're breaking pieces of time into so many, um, yeah, you know, divisions or however you want to say it. You were made for it. I guess so. Or we just, you know, we all gravitate towards things that um, are natural to us. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. So the Dangalang crew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know this was coming up. Okay. 
Do you know there's still a MySpace page for it? You're kidding me. I don't even know. How do you open? How do you find MySpace? I just looked up Dangalang Crew. That's amazing. And I think it comes up first or second. Who was it? the other person in the? That was one of my best friends from high school. Okay. Yeah. And so, what was this project? That was. It literally started with, we would get together on Friday nights and we would drink beer and we just decided to like take his keyboard out. You know, he had pro tools. He was a, he's an audio engineer. So he had pro tools and we just kind of messed around and were drunk and, um, you know, recorded this. Was it started out just one song or like several yeah, songs? Yeah. It was just one song. We were like, Oh, we just made a song and that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then we just kept doing that every Friday and so how many songs did you get out of it? Like 16 or something. Really? So like an album length? Like an album. Oh, there's a there's an official album that's printed with album art and... What? A, uh, I'll get, I still have like eight or nine copies. I'll, okay, I'll well, we definitely need a copy. Is it on a cassette tape for some reason? No, it's a, it's a CD. It's a legitimate CD. And it's a gold because the name of the album is gold. So oh, the, the CD is, is gold. Oh, my gosh. And, and it has all these pictures of us like album art and all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, the... It's kind of, it's embarrassing to be honest <laughs> with you, but it just seems like something, some, or, you know early to mid 20s knuckleheads would do you know <laughs> but it's legitimately good music well i mean i think it's okay music. <laughs> <laughs> that was like i was in college and going to music school where everybody was taking music very seriously sure and you're in a jazz program where you know everybody's really critical and he was in this you know audio engineering world it was probably pretty similar and so that was our way of, you know, taking the white door and banging it up, banging it up and putting paint on it and or just whatever it was to, to take not take ourselves seriously. I wish I could make like a Tim and Eric version of a um, of like a, a real estate ad because it would, first of all, make me more comfortable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then secondly, hey, who cares if it doesn't make anybody else comfortable? Uh, no, <laughs> but it would it would just it would again, it would break down that kind of, you know, that wall. How has your creative routine evolved as you become more busy with work? Do you set aside a regular time to make things? Do you use it to be alone or as family activities? Most of the time. I am carving out late night and when I say late night it's like early for most people but I'm up at five every morning and I'm in bed by nine mm-hmm. so and the kids are down at seven thirty. so usually I would say it's after seven thirty in the back house creating mm-hmm. some sort of space back there um the problem is though when, you know how it is once you start getting into it you don't really want to stop. Right. So then I'm up till midnight or one still trying to get up and then I'm going to let myself sleep until what? Six. I mean, that's when the kids are up. Yeah. So you're just, you're just trashed the next day. Exhausted. Yeah. And you have a very similar situation. You have a detached office like we do. And so it's kind of nice to say, all right, that's house stuff. When I come out here, I get down to business or, music or art or whatever 
because that is, you know, you got to take it seriously um, or not take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been discussing. Um, so do you do that every night or just some nights? Oh, I or would once say these, these days, since Rye, our youngest son has been in the picture, it's, it, it might, I would, I would say I'm lucky if it's happening once a month, mm -hmm. but it was, it was getting to a time where I was doing it certainly, you know, at least a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just a, that's a phase and yeah. he'll get a little bit older and I'll have the room to carve out that space a little more often. You used to put out something called like bedroom sessions. Oh, the bedroom production stuff. Production, yeah. That was yeah. like the first early stuff I was doing where I was playing drums and I had a cheap little Casio keyboard that I got for 50 bucks at the pawn shop. Um, and I did a, like a few little, I guess you call them mini albums or whatever. I'm not sure if you can, if somebody <laughs> never buys it or really downloads it, I'm not sure if you can call it an album. I think it's a, it's a collection of songs in my iTunes on my computer. Yes. And you put them out on cassette types, no? I did. Yeah. The first one or the first, maybe a couple. Yeah. And I, I did that because I wanted the sound. There's a certain sound that comes with, you know, tape saturation. There's a punchiness and a warmth and a grittiness. Um, and I did that for a while, but then it seemed a little, um, you know, I mean, it's one thing to ask your friends to listen to your music, and then it's another thing to ask them to go find a tape player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to play a CD or a DVD at this right. point. I have no ways to do it. My car wants to spit out or hold on to CDs forever, right. and these stupid computers got rid of whatever CD slot I have. So tapes, well, Matt did just buy, like, a little Walkman recently yeah, to, like, record. Yeah, they're awesome. I, I swear to God, go get any of your favorite album and, and buy it on tape and listen to it on tape. And I promise you, you'll be more into it. It sounds so nostalgic yeah. and warm. And there's just something there I, I, that I really, I really love. I feel like that would remind me of riding the bus in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And I think I had like nine inch nails, pretty hate machine. <laughs> And like maybe cure disintegration. Oh man! Like those two fit in my backpack, and I just kind of rotate them. them. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to do the whole bit. You got to flip yeah. it over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to hear a song? You gotta. Yeah. I'm actually watching thirteen. What is it? Shit! What is that show? Uh, thirteen Reasons Why. It's on Netflix. It's mm. kind of intense. It's about this girl who kills herself. And so she gives out, um, it's, it's uh, 13 sides, well, technically 14. So seven tapes that she gives to a person and they're supposed to listen to them and they get to the tape about them mm. and how they contributed to her death. And then they pass Whoa. it on That's to the heavy. next person. And I guess it's supposed to change how they act and feel so it doesn't happen to another mm. person it is really intense and really good but there's a lot about tapes and like you have to sit there with that tape player and like wait it out and you can't really like fast forward to other right. parts you can't play it at like double time to get through it like you have to engage with this thing and i found it really fascinating yeah 
It's That's, a good show. Huh. I cried a lot. That sounds super heavy. It's really. But I can see. So how old is she? High school. So like yeah, 16, I could see that 17. being really kind of an effective thing to show to your kids at some point. Yeah. Because I mean, it actually might be a little late because the bullying, you know, all that stuff that starts a lot earlier now with all the yeah, you know, online stuff. But um, hmm. it's super heavy. But yeah, wow, um, that's a yeah, that's a whole other thing. You could we could talk about that for an hour. Yeah, totally. Does it help your day job knowing you can express yourself through your art? Like, can it allow you to unwind or unpack something going on in your brain so that you can get back to work and feel recharged and present? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for, so for me, at least, this isn't the case with the music stuff. Um, the music stuff tends to be more cerebral for me, but with art... Um, I usually don't know why I'm painting what I'm painting. Mm -hmm. Um, usually not until after it's done and I've looked at it several times. I mean, after I finish something, I'm often like, I don't really know why Yeah, I was gravitated towards those images. Um, but for me, I it always makes sense later. And sometimes that's a few months later. Sometimes that's a year later. Yeah. Sometimes <clears throat> like a, a great example was Maya. Um, she actually figured one of them out for me. She, she was like, that's what that painting is. That's what you've been going through. Um, she decoded. She decoded. And once she said it, I was like, "Wow, that's amazing. But it's like, there's something that's, you know, smarter than you. That's putting images together to help you piece together things that you're working out in your own life it's kind of like painting with, with the ouija board feelings right. where you're just like letting whatever that little handheld bit like guide the words or the images i feel like when i i have this charcoal drawing of the dogs inside and i did that for school and i was supposed to be doing a charcoal drawing of a landscape hmm. and i was like well I'm inspired to do this picture of my dogs. And they're like, well, we can't hang that down in the hallway with the rest of them, but huh. you can do it. And so I, I believe that I, I spent like 18 hours straight on it. And when I was done, I just kind of like clicked back like into you reality. You really felt drawn to draw that yeah. instead of. I, I was like, this, this of... has to be done. This is the image. This is <clears throat> what's inspiring me. And there's just something so sweet about how they were like leaning into each other and when I looked at it, I was like, who the crap drew mm. this? Because if I had, you know, just kind of set out to draw that just like real quick, it would have looked like crap. But for some reason, I felt compelled to put the energy into this drawing. And I'm so glad I did, because if it was just this like, I don't know, some landscape that I wasn't connected to, I might not have it up on my wall still. It was really special. And I feel like that's art. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great story. I mean, that connects you to it so much more. Now I'm like, I want to go look at that. <laughs> check out the Because that's what it should be, right? I mean, the minute we start calculating producing some sort of finished project mm -hmm. because it's going to be perceived in a certain way or then the whole, the whole thing's lost. Yeah. And I think that's what that one is that you have. 
And again, when I gave that to Matt, it was sitting in a stack of wood in my shed. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what this is. I, I kind of thought it was just like some weird doodle. Yeah. And then you, you know, you look at it later and you go, oh. Uh, that, that was something I did. That was like something my brain was doing for a couple of hours and needed to just do a brain dump on this piece. Right. And I, I feel like that's what's so wonderful about just like making images. And I haven't done it in a long time. I'm glad that you're doing it. And isn't it the worst feeling in the world when you're doing something with the intention of it being something, being something in particular? Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing but disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> like, none I'm of us draw my kid. Nope. Right, <laughs> it's gonna look terrible. Or just I'm gonna make some sort of painting that's creative in in whatever way, and and it's gonna look like this. And it's, here's the idea, and let me finish it out. That that to me is torture because it yeah. it never reaches what's actually in your mind. Yeah. And um and then it's just the what I call like the dumber part of yourself. It's the you that's functioning in every day and has, you know, only the intelligence that you've gathered from all of your experiences and it's 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 made by that part of yourself. And when you get outside of that, then you get into something much deeper and bigger and um, and I think that's where the real art is. Yeah. Like the art that moves you. Like when you look at someone else's piece, you're like, oh, crap, I just, I, what, what am I feeling from right. this? There's something that's yelling at me from this piece of paper on the wall. Yeah. And you can't necessarily say why. Yeah. And I think that's what art should be. You shouldn't have to go and intellectualize it. Mm-hmm. Um, you should walk in the room and you should see it. And you should connect to it or not. Yeah. And that doesn't make that a good or a bad piece of art. It just means that somebody else has brought something out that somewhere deep in you, you're also experiencing or wrestling with or, you know, working through or calculating or, um, and you just, you just go, whoa, you know, you, you see it and you're like, that's, I know, I, I don't, yeah. I know, but I don't know, but that's, there's something it's there familiar. that's familiar. Right. Something weirdly familiar. You're making me want to go paint or something. And I haven't had that urge in like years. So this is why I love doing this show. Because it makes me just like, you know, tap in. And while I'm celebrating the person I'm interviewing, I'm like, I, I want to do that thing. Yeah. I want to do what is making you happy. It's going to make me happy too when I remember. Yeah, that's great. You also make videos of your kids set to music with like an old school analog feel. Do you I, do that a lot or is it just kind of? You know, I did it once and I f- have felt ever since I'm like, why am I not doing this more? There was something special about it. Yeah. Well, it's the heartache you feel for your kids. Yeah. Right. I mean, they never you never know about that until you actually have a kid and then you sympathize with your parents and you're yeah. like, oh, this is. <laughs> What they were going through. It made me think of the old videos of like watching my dad's, what is it? Like super eight, super eight. Yeah. And you know, it's black and white and they're doing the same thing that Bodhi was doing in that video where he's like riding a bike or just like, you know, you can't hear what they're saying, but just kind of like talking and that nostalgic feel of just childhood. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the adult and you're like, damn, do you remember that? Do you remember this yeah. moment? Like, it just sucks you in. You should definitely do more of those. Thank you. I, I'm so glad you said that. I do need to do more of it. And um, 
I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, but you, you know, that piece of every, every little chunk of your kid's life is gone so quick. And that's a great way to, I mean, that's, that is, that's one of the positive things about social media. That video is on Facebook for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> and if he wants to keep my password and pass it along to his grandkids, yeah. he can. <laughs> it won't get lost on my laptop or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, what is your relationship with writing? Do you write lyrics? No, no. I do, I do write. Um, usually it's something like a little short story like a few paragraphs or like mm -hmm. a letter to somebody um i think i actually am really good at writing um and i kind of have this obsession with writing about um being at the end of your life and reflecting on the the whole life mm -hmm. and and kind of um like i nostalgia is a is a very I'm very obsessed with that. That's one of your themes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the beauty that you, I mean, because the day to day, it's a, it's such a grind, right? Yeah. I mean, it's great. Life is great. We're so fortunate. We have so much, but it is also at times extremely boring and you forget to see how amazing it all is. And I love the, you know, the voice of writing from your deathbed or somewhere in that era of your life or even whatever it is, you're 80 or whatever, and just looking back because it it's like condensed milk. It takes out all of that. The fluff. Right. And, the milk fluff. And you just get the heart of it. And yeah. you And you realize how amazingly short and beautiful it is. Oh, and I, yeah, that's weird. So I had like, I did one of these little, um, astrological readings uh-huh and the guy kept saying like you're supposed to be a writer there's like all these weird symbols on your chart that are saying like that's where you're gonna end up and then i've had certain friends say like you should be a comedic writer or something. yeah but, oh i could totally see that but you know it's like any of that stuff how do you you know how do you make really a make a living doing I know, that? I know, I know. And who at this age wants to start start trying to do <laughs> shit like that? I know. It, I think that's kind of what comes from like these podcasts, or like when I was blogging for a while. Like, I, it wasn't really about trying to monetize it. Mm -hmm. It was more like I need to funnel this energy somewhere. Right. And the moment it kind of became monetized for my blog, like people were sending me stuff to like review. Mm. And I was like, ah, I don't. Uh. Yeah. You always wish that you could make a living doing what you love, but you wonder if it would, I mean, do those two things, are they really supposed to go hand in hand? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I kind of don't think they are. I think I'm more at peace with that now. I used to think, oh, I have to be a famous musician who is making money as a, session drummer or right. whatever but i think that's i think it's a it can be a, a pretty miserable place to exist you have to go in with eyes wide open knowing that that's the world and either have the tough skin to be able to deal with it and adapt to it or do it for a while and then you know find that go other thing mailman. yeah <laughs> do, do something that will pay a bill 
Is there anything you feel intimidated by trying or want to try? I don't know. Maybe working small, because a lot of a lot of it for me is about you know s- space in between all the things and and the composition of things being in very large spaces. But working small takes all of that away, mm-hmm. and it focuses it it, it in on um, you know your actual just painting and drawing skills. Yeah. Which are for me. <laughs> they're, me- they're mediocre I mean all my stuff is feel you know it's not it's not high high level skill so what do you do with your art do you put it on your wall do you give it away as gifts do you make a stack of it and put it somewhere if I could if like if I wasn't married and I didn't have somebody to just be like please don't Rain torture it in. me right? <laughs> <laughs> I would have probably everything I've ever done hang on every surface like all the walls would be covered interesting yeah but I am shy about giving my stuff away because I don't, I, I really enjoy it. I like it, but I don't feel confident enough about it to really be like, oh, that's hanging in somebody else's house. And um, I want other people to come in and say like, oh, well, you know, okay, that's a painting. Who painted that? You know, mm-hmm. or, you know, cause I'm Why are like, you shy? Well, I just feel like it's pretty bizarre every painting I have it is at least 15 layers deep it's been painted over a multitude of times Um, I have one that I've been working on now for that the one that's finally hanging behind my desk that Mm -hmm. that piece I've been working on since 2005 so I would probably, as they're all hanging on the walls... You would probably paint them still. I would paint over them. I yeah. would just keep adding to them. It would be this like evolution that would never stop. And that oh, that sounds like heaven to me. I, 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 In school, yeah. we called that a palimpsest. What is that? So I should probably look it up to give the definition. Okay. It's a manuscript or piece of writing material on which the original writing has been affected to make room for later writing, but of which traces remain. So something reused yeah. or altered, but still bearing some visible traces of its earlier form. Yeah, because I want the layers to come through. I, in, in some cases, I'll have a completely finished painting, and I will paint, literally, I'll take white and I'll paint over it entirely. Wow. And I'll start over. That one that's hanging behind my desk is, has been a full painting probably five or six times. So is a piece ever finished? Well, again, so going back to how picky I am to, about drummers, I'm picky about everything. So the ones that I feel are really good are done. Okay. But that is not very many. Huh. Yeah. Do you feel that way about other things? Or that, you know... Sure. I, I'm very critical. About what? What else? Hmm. Writing? Movies? Writing, movie, I mean, you name it. <laughs> it's like people, I, I often hate it when people ask my opinion of something, because then I'm like, now I have to hear my opinion. <laughs> You're critical of that. your own opinion. Yeah, I'm like, it's annoying enough going through my own head. Now I have to like say it out loud, and I have to like watch that other person's facial expression while I'm, and they're just going like, oh my God, this guy's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about when other people give their opinion of things? 
do you I, take sometimes it for? i have an opinion about that for example <laughs> matt will give me an album occasionally yeah and i'm like oh, i know you love this album matt and i'm like okay here you go like his snare drums the snare drum sucked i just <laughs> the, you know he's he's doing this thing that i don't like and then like that's easy for me to tear apart because i don't know that person okay and i can just give you know an an honest breakdown of it like okay this person put this into the world so let me give an honest not assessment that sounds like because then it sounds like it's fact it's not fact it's my opinion but if it's somebody i know most of the time i'm like the you know none of us are famous or changing the world or or whatever so it's not that important what's important is that they're you know the intent the, the intent they're bringing an energy into the world. It's something that makes them happy. Um, you know, it's helping them be a better person or a better parent or a better whatever it is. And so why would I analyze that? Yeah. Why would I just, it, then it's just better to say, let me ignore that part of it and put that part of my brain away and, and give them energy to keep them going on that. How does making music or art make you feel? Do you feel like you're energized, recuperated, centered, exhausted? If I'm really, my brain is checked out and I'm mm -hmm. really making music or art that is really coming from some, some other place, then it's, it feel, it just fills up your buckets. And, yeah. You know, and then you're, it carries out into everything else. You're like, okay, I can go, I have energy to go work again and to be a parent and uh yeah. you know do all the normal day-to-day -day stuff yeah when you let your art possess you right i love that feeling it's it's the best it's the best thing in the world i can't imagine not having that as, yeah. as a tool i think that um especially if you know how to use the speaking of tools when you know how to use the tools it makes it easier and so you're not hindered by whatever like a sewing machine jamming, like that'll just frustrate the shit out of me. Right. Or like trying to edit some of these podcasts in a program that I'm not super familiar with. What was supposed to be like a really fun project. I'm like, God damn, I can't even like turn this thing on. And so like it pulls me out of that place, right? Uh, that pure place. And then I have to like, all right, let's get centered. Let's remember why I was doing this. You're like right. this was supposed to be fun. <laughs> remember this is it's my evening off. It's not supposed to be another annoying. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. Can't things be fun? <laughs> why does it have to be like this? <coughs> do you and Maya do stuff together art wise we have occasionally she has a hilarious sense of humor that i don't think a lot of people get to see yeah and that is one area where she you know i don't if, if you've ever gone into our bedroom and looked at the far wall there's these little portraits that she did and like drawn or painted painted little just they're like one's like a purple lady and one's like a yellow lady and one's like an orange lady. Will you send me a picture of this? They are hilarious and awesome. And they just kind of tap into her, her that, that quirky part of her brain. Yeah. Um, so we'll do, we'll do little stuff like that. Um, but then, I mean, you know how it is too. I mean, you, you, when you have kids and for people who don't have kids, this probably sounds really annoying, but, um, <laughs> You know, you're in the moment when you're trying to, like, create rich 
uh, life experiences for yeah. the family that in and of itself, I mean, that is, it, it's art. I mean, it's like trying to make a piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes so much energy to not just be like, oh, let me just go through the grind and like show my kids that that's how life is lived. You know, right. like, what do I do to break out of that and show them that and, and keep them inspired and, um, that in and of itself is like a certain almost like a improv comedy kind yeah. of you know its own little thing if you were to give yourself a title for your crafting identity what would your title be matt said it would be hip-hop realtor because oh, that's God. what he calls you to people he describes you as his friend the hip-hop realtor that is a nightmare <laughs> That is an absolute nightmare. I love, you. I love you so much, buddy, but that's that that kills me. I hope to God that's not like what's on my my headstone or yeah, whatever you call if it. If he has something to do with it. Um I don't know. This feels like I'm taking myself too seriously. How about after hours creator? Yeah, I like it. You do create after hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, John, for sitting down with us. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. And we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Find links to more of John's work and a little extra at chattycrafties.com. Follow us on Instagram. Twitter, SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or find us at the club. But do it early, because we have curfews. This week, music was generously provided by Flameburger Jonesies, featuring his wife, Maya. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno, and hosted by my crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Thanks for listening. Now take this music and go make some art. Wait, can I tell this story? Yeah. And you can edit this out if this is too much. But we were at a buddy's birthday party. Jam we all brought over instruments. We're playing. I had been playing the drums, and then I hopped on the keyboard. And I was on there for a while, and it was getting late. I think somebody at some point tried to ask us to stop. And then Matt comes in, and he goes, he's like, everybody, stop. Put down your instruments. Chambers, I'm sick of your Doogie Hauser jams. And then he like, you know, went to the next person and whatever he had to say to them. But that, that was my like own in my own mind, uh, my my musician name for a while. Cause it was, I mean, it's true. There's something so cheesy about the way I play keyboards. And,